1: The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the southernmost point of Dorn to the lands of always winter, everything in between, this is Casterly Talk. Hello, everybody. How are you?
2: You good? Shustle...
1: It was a little late today, this weekend, this week. I'm in the middle of a move, a complicated move. Well, all moves are complicated, but this one just lingered and lingered. It was like the free folk heading south. It just, it just took a long time to get going. Still going. I couldn't get to casually thought with my normal schedule, but I think, hey, all is forgiven, right? I got to hope so. I got to hope so. Your calls are going to fuel this today, and I've got some good ones from all of you out there. If you want to place a call, leave a message, do it through the Anchor app. That's right. Download the Anchor app. It's free. You can favorite the podcast and leave a minute-long message, or you can go to the desktop. Look, you can listen to Casterly Talk on any podcast device you want, but if you want to leave a message, just pop over. To anchor. All right. I think you know the drill. Let's dive in. What do we got here? Going to the big board. A lot of good ones. I'm doing an eeny meeny miny mo kind of beginning to this. Good theories, good what-ifs. And 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 enough calls for me to push them over to next week, too. And by then hopefully get Andres, Rachel Lawn, someone back
0: in. So you don't just have to stick with me the whole time. Alright, first one's up. This is Jordan. Hey there, Ken and everyone else over at Casterly Talk. This is Jordan Huffman calling in, uh, wondering about your stance on any unresolved plot points from the show. Uh, can't really say from the book yet since the books aren't finished. But from the show, were there any, any unresolved plot points that you wish they would have touched on? One for me is I feel I liked the theory that Cersei was actually Gendry's mother. Um, in the show, Cersei describes her, her son that died after birth as having black hair, and then Gendry describes his mother as having yellow hair. That's the only real descriptions that we get. So I've always kind of thought that maybe that was the writers intentionally telling us that they were mother and son. Of course, we'll never know, uh, since that never got resolved. So I'm wondering, what what are your thoughts on that? And do you have any unresolved plot points of your own that you wish they would have elaborated on? Thanks for your time, and uh, keep up the good work. Love the show.
1: No, thanks for your time, Jordan. I appreciate that call. A lot of a lot of good stuff in there. And as far as unresolved plot points, yeah, that gets me thinking about some stuff. Uh, and, and I don't have a great answer. I, I think everything I generally wanted to be resolved was resolved in some way. Maybe it wasn't the way I thought, way I wanted, or quicker than than I thought would, all those things I didn't see. Uh, there is some... Big things that play for me with the Lord of Light and some of the bigger answers. I think Melisandra's arc is one of the best on the show in terms of where it begins, how it ends, beautiful haunting ending. I think there's a bit of redemption in what she does. Uh, is all forgiven of things she did in the past? No, absolutely not. But I, I I really think that moment of her passing, just one of those hauntingly beautiful moments on the show there. But there's a lot with uh, the Red Priests and Priestesses, the Lord of Light, uh, Relor, that religion, the Shadow. And I was just watching an interview last night with George R. R. Martin talking about a, a shy, and he's like, hey, uh, at the time of this writing, I got no plans to set stuff there, but through Melisandre's uh, points of view through some of the later books you might get some stuff from a shy and that that's kind of exciting those aren't necessarily plot points but it's something that particularly going into season 8 and, and if you're listening here in Castle Talk you heard me and others kind of say like how is the, the lord of light this is there the, the that lord's war in a way and i i think there's uh, something a uh, uh, a play there something bigger kinvara i thought is Kinvara going to show up uh, all these uh, kind of uh, things that we Built up again, expectations built it up there. So I didn't get as many answers as as I would have wanted, uh, but I, I I still think uh, it was somewhat put together there on the show. Uh, there are things things uh uh that it, it's hard to separate from the books. So your Lady Stoneheart's, your Brotherhood of uh you know the brother without banners, like a lot of things where uh, I I feel the the books will have a better chance to deal with that, and the show never really. Was going to deal with that there. So sometimes, even in my mind, I get confused. Like, ah, but what about? Eh, I don't think that was ever in the in the in the plans uh, on the show there. But one, I won't call it an unresolved plot point, but the Targaryen restoration type of idea. We we really do go into it in season one. We see Illyrio Mopatis come back over, uh, talk to uh, Varys uh, beneath the keep there beneath beneath King's Landing. Arya sees it, and we know that they—they've been working together there. Now, Viserys was, might have been their choice to put on the throne, as Danny kind of points out. Of the lady, you don't even want me. You didn't care. I was a piece to be traded, a puzzle piece. How dare you? I rose above that too, and I think Danny is right. Um, nothing about Danny's end erases any of that, in my point of view. Um, but through all of this. We never got one cut back, and again, does it change things? I don't know. Does it needed? I don't know. But we never got that cut back to Illyrio sitting there. You know, we we even like Tyrion shows up in season five. Varys is there, change from books to show, and they're at Illyrio's place. Man, they're at his house hanging out. You don't see him. I thought, oh, because he's a great performer. Uh, you know, love his love his facial hair. Um, I would have loved to. As things are really cooking, as Marine is literally tearing itself apart, as Danny starts heading uh, towards the west, does Varys at any point send a message out? Again, this is something I I don't even consider unresolved plot for the show. Just I have questions, and again, like Jordan even said, the, the books gonna the books are gonna deal with those kind of things. I'm sure, but even on the show, they do they do establish it. Is there a, a a moment, you cut back, and Illyrio's reading the reading the letter, reading the message from a raven. Oh, all right. Wasn't the one we chose, but I guess the Targaryen restoration is in progress. All right, I'm start packing up and heading back west. Like I, I, I've always wondered, what is Illyrio's thinking of all of this? And as it starts to collapse, as Danny's armies start to take big losses. Do you go back to him, going? All right, we're not packing up. We're gonna stay right here. Things aren't looking good. Where's young Griff? That's something that's always been on my mind. Now, as far as the the theory, yeah, it's out there. Uh, Gendry and Cersei, I black hair, golden hair. Yeah, it's it's definitely a weird illusion, right? And I, I don't think it factors in uh, the 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 bastards are an interesting plot point too, or sub subplot point, uh, Egypt, Storm, Gendry, and many, many more, we know. Uh, Does it ever really... Well, I don't think it's going to factor into the books again, uh, into the final story. I think they do a pretty good job with Gendry. I think it really makes sense, a lot of uh, things that happen with Gendry. And I like that, you know, he's uh, a Baratheon back on the throne there, back on Storm's End. I, I like that, and I'm happy with it. I think Joe Dempsey does a really good job kind of playing just this really bullheaded, no pun intended, Um, just kind of dopey, but sincere. There's a lot of warmth in his heart. I really think Joe Dempsey does a great job with the character, and I love how it ends with Arya, too. So, I... Again, don't consider it unresolved, but uh, it's there, and as far as the Cersei, it it would be a nice, interesting wrinkle. Uh, I... I don't know... And crawling into that theory, what happens? Is it that Jamie takes the baby? Oh, no, we can't have have an actual Baratheon. Tywin? Tywin is obviously not aware that there's going to be some incest going on. Or if he is, he's denying it to the bitter end. So I can't see it being part of his plan. And it wouldn't be a bastard, right, if Robert and Cersei... Actually, had Gendry. So, who's hiding it? Maybe it's Cersei herself. Maybe Cersei. This is the only one that works for me. Maybe Cersei gives away Gendry. Works up a story with Grandmaster Picel. The kid died. And then they send the kid out. Out of mind, out of sight. And then this happens. And there's some poetic justice, I think, in Gendry coming back then uh, but i don't know if any of that matters number one and two I, I actually don't buy that theory too much i think the idea that cersei might have had a child with robert that didn't die is just so representative of what could have been and what didn't happen with Roberts and Cersei, going back to that season one conversation that I reference a lot because it's, it's one of my favorite scenes in the show. Was there any, ever a chance for us? Robert says no. How does it make you feel? It makes you feel nothing like the fact that they actually did conceive and the child died. It's like that is that was Cersei's one chance for perhaps a normal life. And I like that. I like what that possibly represents a little more. Than a good conspiracy theory. But Jordan, that's a fun one. And we'll never know. We will never know on that one. So, speaking of the Lord of Light, we got this one here. Hey, Castle Talk, Rocky here again. For my what if scenario, well, really, it's more of a theory, actually. I want to talk about the Lord of Light. This is the only being we've seen in Game of Thrones with really concrete powers.
0: So what if the Lord of Light is controlling the whole story of Game of Thrones, not only with the visions in the fire, but also controlling Bran's visions from the start? What if the version
2: of the past Bran is seeing is what the Lord of Light wants him to see? If that's the case, the Lord of Light has set Bran up to be king. So not really the evil Bran theory, but the controlling Lord of Light theory. Love to hear all your thoughts. Thanks.
1: Going back to Lord of Light, I love that Rocky brought it up. It uh, ties into what we were talking about early on. I do believe, and I totally side with Lon Harris, our, our co-host and friend of the show here, that uh, there's a lot of religions in this world. A lot of them ain't true. A lot of them maybe half-truths, maybe worked at one point, maybe the real one point. We don't know. But I think Lord of Light, time and time again, not just parlor tricks from Elisandra, but Time and time again, going to Thor, Samir, Kinvara, and what she said to Varys. Oh, which, by the way, that's – there you go. That's another unresolved plot point. I don't think it matters. But when Kinvara basically says to Varys, oh, I know what you heard in the fire. I'd love to find that out one day, maybe in the books. But is the Lord of Light controlling this? It's like the Force in Star Wars. What came first, the chicken or The Force. I, I can buy into that to a certain degree. The Lord of Light having a, a part in this story and controlling this, por- this story, moving the pieces around. Maybe communicating with Bran, you know, maybe the Blood Raven, uh, maybe communicating with uh, through all, any or all the Three Eyed Ravens. I do like that idea because if this is a song of ice and fire, which I do believe to be John and, and, and Danny for the most part, but that also. Uh, goes to a bunch of other different things there. If, if if that's true, I I still do believe that it is the Lord of Light, Rilor, versus the Great Other. Remember in the books, the White Walkers, not the Whites. The White Walkers are the Others. And it makes sense. I I like to I like the switch for the show, but. There is the great other and the belief that it is war between the Lord of Light and the great other. Is the Night King the great other? We get a sense that maybe not. So maybe in this world, the story still rolls on. It's definitely rolling on in George's head even outside of A Song of Ice and Fire. He's, he says this world's pretty big. There's a lot of things going on, and I love that idea. I love would love to find out what's going on in Westeros, you know? Maybe there's some entire seven book adventure in in, in the in the land of Westeros that we need to see. Uh I still think it could be at play. I don't think in the overall story, the book story that, that the Night King or the knight's King or any of that is is related is the great other the Great Other could still show up, and then it would be the Lord of Light versus the Great Other, but definitely the Night King on the show is representative of that. So, I think there's some cool idea behind the idea that uh, the Lord of Light is moving the pieces around. But Arya, Arya's journey, again, in Star Wars, the Force can kind of, you can use it for a lot of things. Like, hey, this is happening because it's supposed to happen, but um, and you know, it's like in our own world, our own, our own lives, fate and destiny and all those kind of things. I believe in some of it to a certain degree, but also a lot of it is your choices, but maybe these are the choices you're supposed to make. Maybe God knew you're always going to make this choice. It gets, sp- you spin me right round, baby, right round. And it gets confusing. So the, the Lord of Light guide, Arya to kill the Night King? Uh, possibly it's interesting. I think she made those choices along the way. But is there a bigger war at play between the Great Other and the Lord of Light? I think so. I believe so. And maybe one day we'll get a story about that. Maybe it all factors in. Maybe Song of Ice and Fire is just one part of that wheel. Ah, oh, come on, George. Get to writing. Get to writing couple more calls on the other side of this break we're about to take, but I want to thank you all for listening to Casterly Talk as we get through this offseason. That's right. More Game of Thrones is coming. This prequel series. Are you excited for it? It's shooting now. I love that. I can't wait till we start getting little tidbits of information of actual plot. And I'm not talking about leaks, but what George R. R. Martin and his team and HBO and their team will let us know about. And once that happens, man, Cast the talk. We're going to ramp it up with a lot of prequel talk. We start diving in to a lot of the histories, a lot of the houses uh, and their past, and what is myth, and what is fable, and what is real. Uh, I like all of that and getting excited for that. But we're going to take a break right now on the other side. More of your calls here. Welcome back to Castley.com Napson. Thanks for sticking around after the break. As we help keep the lights on in the studio. You can also support the show directly via Anchor. Or consider supporting me at Patreon at patreon.com slash Thanks for those who listen on YouTube. We'd love to rebroadcast the audio version of these episodes on YouTube. One day, yeah, video, video, everyone wants video. It's possible. It's possible. Anything's possible. But let's get back to your calls here. And then I got to get back to moving. It, it is what it is. God, so, so exhausting. Great thoughts already from Jordan and Rocky. Rocky has a show called the Couch Thoughts Podcast. Seek it out. Now we got a what-if question. Actually, it's two what-if questions. And let's dive into this one from who we got first. Oh, Alden Diaz.
2: Hey, Ken. Alden Diaz here with a little Game of Thrones What If. It's all... Rewatching the show had me thinking a lot about Jaqen Hagar and the the faceless men of Braavos, the many-faced god. I'm curious what you think would have happened had Jaqen not let Arya leave. The house of black and white it seems like you know he sort of let her go with a smirk uh, a sort of an understanding i've never really been clear on his feelings after she uh killed the waif uh, at the end of her time over there in season six if he has any feelings at all i mean that's the tricky thing about a character like jockin would he have followed her all the way to westeros we know he's been there that's where they met would he have had feelings on her place in the uh, Red God's uh, ultimate plan to defeat the Night King and the White Walkers and the Whites uh, with on Darien and the Hound all playing their role. So I'm curious how you think Jockin could have factored in if he had decided to be more active. Thanks.
1: All right. Alden. I will say Alden. That's because my dad's Al. So I go Alden. Alden. Alden Diaz. Great guy. Great guy. Great idea. Great what if. And we've we got a Lord of Light uh, themed uh, kind of episode here. Faceless men are kind of their own religion. I think another one that kind of works, or it's a collection of a bunch of religions that work. And again, talking about the Lord of Light's plan. Yeah, Barrack Dondary and the Hound all seem to play a part. So maybe the Lord of Light, going back to Rocky's question in theory, has a lot to do with it there. So, Jagan Hagar and the House of Black and White, the Faceless Men, I wouldn't call them agents of the Lord of Light, but they might be clued into what actually is, right? What actually might work. I think they are trained assassins. They're human beings, but then they learn some skills and then they learn some magic. Did the magic get stronger when the dragons return? It's another question. Another time, we'll dive into that one. So, what if Jagan Hagar or whoever that person was? wearing the face of the man we call Jagan Hagar, What if he held true to the House of Black and White Rules, to the Faceless Men's organizational rules, and Arya had to stay, or Arya was truly punished for the things she did? This, uh, much like if Jon Snow had stayed dead, something we asked last week, I think would have affected the show greatly. Not just because we see Arya get the big W at the end, Gets the knife in the gut that saves the day. I think a lot of different things start to happen, start to play out. Um, it, it, it's 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 uh, it's almost hard. It's easier for me to to fathom John Snow staying dead because we still have pieces on the on the warboard that need to be moved. But if but Arya's out of the story. So if she doesn't come back, what, you know, the phrase uh, stay alive, or at least Walder Frey stays alive, and they f- maybe factor in in the end, but then again, do they really? Uh, maybe Cersei has a bit of an ally. I don't think Cersei would trust the phrase, but she'd have them. Um, then fear would not have spread. I think whatever happens up there uh, is, 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 you know, what happens with Arya, I think what happens up there spreads. I'm sure that spreads some fear to the land what's going on. Bad things afoot. So, I think it's actually pretty. It's a pretty important what if, and one of the ones that I think it 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 just. I almost again I almost can't think of it there, but but Jagan's an interesting character because I, I without a doubt I am all money down. Chips are in betting it all. The house is on the idea that Jagan Hagar upon meeting Arium. And I would even say that whole meeting of Arya seems oddly planned, if you will, by the Lord of Light. Every step of the way it seems to happen. Uh, it happens according to a plan is what I'm trying to say. And either whether it was planned or just happenstance, fate stepping in, the man that wore the mask and called himself Jagan Hagar... Definitely looks at Arya and says, oh, this one's got an important part to play. Did he get a raven from back home? Did the light or some other god speak to him in a dream? Speak to him at night? Speak to him in the morning? Did he see in her eyes the way Melisandre saw so many things in her eyes? I think it all was supposed to happen. I think that's why Jagan and Hengar gives that smirk that Alden was talking about there. Absolutely. I think it was all knowing. I think the waif was the one in more violations than anything. The waif was all up in arms about Arya having a point of view, not being no one, but like people always said along the way, well, the waif's got a lot of, certainly got a lot of opinions and personal feelings towards Arya. That seems to be in violation. So, I think it was all part of it, and it was all supposed to happen. Arya learned all these skills, including the silence, being able to creep on up. Saw it with Jon Snow early in season eight, the same spot. And then we see it again when she finally gets the uh, the deciding blow in the big battle. So it's all supposed to happen, which means if it doesn't happen and Jagan holds on, that's a what-if that might just topple the tower. All right. One more call here from our good friend,
2: Eric Monroe. Hey, Ken casually talk. So and I have another what if that might be fun to talk about. I and mean, my what if is what if the Red Viper had been victorious against the Mountain? He was very close to beating the Mountain. All he had to do was finish him off, but he got distracted. And I think it has ramifications if he had won the fight because, you know, Tyrion would have been freed. What would Tyrion have done? Would he have just got out of Dodge and just left King's Landing? Would he have stayed I'm kind of part of me thinks he would have gone out of Dodge I'm curious what you think and the Red Viper what would he have done would he have continued his revenge tour because he, as he said he was just starting with the mountain it wasn't going to end with the mountain would he have eventually gone after Tywin and maybe Tywin dies by the hands of the Red Viper instead of Tyrion so what do you think what do you think would have happened if the Red Viper had won All
1: right, Eric's got a great question there. What if the Red Viper had won? First, we look at Tyrion. He's saved. Yay! Completely innocent in the eyes of everyone. Uh, I think I agree with Eric. I think he still knows my place isn't here. Whether or not he goes to Essos or not, I don't know. But I definitely think he leaves King's Landing. Definitely think he leaves the South. Um, I think he might find some kind of uh, safety in the North. Uh, I, I, I don't think he would think... I don't think Tyrion would believe it'd be the house stark or anything like that. Maybe it's Night's Watch. Maybe he runs up. Maybe it's Jon Snow that Tyrion would seek help from. Who can I trust in this world? Also doesn't spin Varys off into the story of Daenerys. And Daenerys doesn't get her advisor. So, though she has other advisors, I think Tyrion helps her make some important decisions. I still think, though, Danny. Her course stays relatively the same, which is not to say that you didn't need Tyrion in that story. You absolutely did, but I think uh, she still has her ideas, her focus. Right? Tyrion never changes her goals. He wants to change the way she's going to wants to you know going to accomplish it, but her goals are always the same. But I think Tyrion has to get on out. Now, what's interesting to me if the mountain dies. Cersei does not end up with her number one man, her bodyguard. Kyburn doesn't uh, pull all his tricks and magic. Cersei would be feeling a little more vulnerable, surrounded by enough men with swords to protect her, sure, but she's not as vulnerable. She's still angry, though. She's still angry at Tyrion, believing him to have murdered Joffrey. That doesn't change. Tywin stays alive. So the high sparrow, all his little sparrows, stays. House Tyrell stays. Oh, there'd be pieces in the puzzle. There'd be pawns. There'd be problems. But we don't have the Sept of Baelor exploding now, do we? I don't think any of that happens. Tywin is still in charge. But the Red Viper, ah, he does have this great revenge tour going on. And that's where it gets really fun for me. This is a fun what if. They're all fun what ifs. But this one, I like this stuff. I like the pieces on the board. and You move them about. I think he absolutely goes after Tywin. And I think what you might have is problems up north, potential war from the north, potential war from the east, and then I think you really do have Dorne rising they never do bend the knee, right? Now they're definitely standing. I do not. I do not think the Red Viper would go quietly or try to take out Taiwan politically. Does he have the support of Prince Duran? Maybe not. Maybe not. Elaria Sand. She's not going to lead a sand snake revolt, but maybe the sand snakes join up and maybe maybe the Red Viper is the only person that can convince Prince Duran that it's time for war, it's time to go and if he didn't have support, he still might do it I don't know if he's taken out his uh, brother, but I think he'd get war, I really do think so I think the Red Viper could convince the people of Dorne. And as I believe Elaria Sand and, and part of her, her little rebellion was was working towards, I think you could, could, the people of Dorne, like, you know, we, hey, we, we volunteered ourselves into the Seven Kingdoms. We didn't bend any need, any dragons. We fought back. We survived. We adapted. They could not defeat us. But we decided in the end, ah, let's go in. I'm really summarizing that one a lot, I know. So I think there's some truth to what Alaria Sand was saying of like, we got to go. Duran, you're sitting here. You're sitting in your wheelchair, your high tower. Your people are ready to defend themselves, ready to make their names tired of being overlooked as the pretty Southern Dornish. Dornish wine and Dornish women? No. What about Dornish warriors? What about Dornish pride? Oh, it would become a dangerous mixture of pride and the desire to strike on out. I do think there would be that kind of war. Taiwan would still be alive. He'd be in power. He'd hold the realm together as best he could, but he cannot hold Obrid Martel close to his chest. He cannot keep inviting him into that small council. There's some part of me that thinks, well, the Red Viper just had a single-minded approach, vengeance. It it, it nearly it it did cost him in the story we know, and then that he'd still be in that. He'd still might make a mistake as much as I love Oberyn, but I think would, I think everything that would happen with him would be on a bigger scale. Wouldn't be just waiting around, sitting on the small council, going to meetings. Oh, here's an opportunity to get the mountain. No, it wouldn't be like that with Tywin. It'd be big, be bold. And it would certainly be interesting. And then Tyrion, maybe he'd join in the fight. The Tyrells, though, are an interesting one, though, too, because they get so wrapped up in it. And and Alanna Tyrell is is guilty of the death of Joffrey Baratheon, right? Guilty of conspiring to murder the king. So she knows that's going on, and, and if Tywin's still alive, and Tyrion is Viewed as innocent, I think Cersei and others would still think he was the one who did it. It was just a trial by combat that got him out of it. Does Zelena feel the heat? Do the uh, Tyrells feel the heat? Do they get out of Dodge? The Lannisters and the Crown need their food, need their supplies, need their support, need their money. So they know they got that over. But if the heat is on, do they get on out too? And do they join in a potential fight with Dorne against the Crown? Mm, some tantalizing what-ifs. Tantalizing what-ifs. I got more answers for that one. The Arya one, it's tough for me. It's a great one. What, is your, what are your thoughts out there on Arya Stark, Jag and Hagar, the House of Black and White, the Faceless Men, how much was supposed to happen, how much happened because of what she earned and what she learned, and how much did Jag and Hagar know what was going to happen? Ah, uh, this is why I still love this show. This is why we're still talking about it. This is why we're still taking a deep dive in. And then pretty soon looking forward to the toward that prequel. And the books gotta be close. Gotta be close now. I can feel it. George is out there in New Mexico putting some commas and exclamation points. He's, he's doing it all. Rearranging some sentences around, putting more description descriptions of eel pie in. I feel it. I feel it. All right. That's Casterly Talk for this week. You can follow me at CatNapsok. Join the conversation with the hashtag Casterly Talk. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave a review. Uh, that helps uh, leave a rating. Uh, you can listen on Spotify, Stitcher, a lot of other places, and again, on Anchor. You want to leave a message, go through the Anchor app or the Anchor desktop portal, check in there. You can support the show directly there. Again, you can consider going to patreon.com slash CatNapsok to uh, join kind of uh it's kind of a – the Napsops the Knapsack subscription service there. You get all the shows for free, always, but other things going on behind that uh, paywall over there, so consider it if you want. If you are Central Coast local, Central Coast to California, my hometown is Arroyo Grande, California, on August 24th. I will be in a G, as we call it, uh, part of the Central Coast Film Society's presentation of Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. That is right. I'll be doing a VIP book signing, selling some books and exclusive posters there also doing a Q&A and a lot of people won't be there for me they'll be there for Star Wars. It's going to be a lot of fun to celebrate Star Wars with everyone up in my hometown at the Clark Center for Performing Arts which is on the corner there of my old high school. So go to centralcoastfilmsociety.org for more information. Hey, maybe one day we'll do something with Game of Thrones like that, huh? All right. That's Casterly talk for this week. Stick around. In the coming weeks, we get Thomas Risling back, Andres Cabrera back, Lon Harris, Rachel Harris, uh, and uh, Rachel Cushing. Rachel Harris is also a talented performer. Um, And your calls, as always. Got some more what-ifs? Send them this way. Got some theories? Got some ideas on things discussed today? I want to hear about them. i still got some more calls in the hopper, so if you didn't hear yourself today, stand by. Still coming. All right. That's it. Take a breath. I'm going back to moving. You guys keep enjoying Game of Thrones.